So I want to, I'm, I'm going to finish up a series that I've been talking about repentance in, and I, I got to, if I, I got to give kind of credit to this, of course, to God, the Holy Spirit speaking, but what this was inspired by this series on repentance was with a conversation with my brother, Matt, and he, and he made a statement as we talked, it was, it was a few weeks ago, a month ago, I don't know, it was a while back, and we were just chit-chatting and talking, and he's doing well, by the way, back there in South Carolina. He's gotten a, a job as the town butcher. I, I think that's a good thing. I, he's the town evangelizing butcher. He talks to Jesus, talks about Jesus to everybody that comes in to get meat, and it's awesome. And uh, I, I'm not joking. He said, yeah, this was like... There's two grocery stores in our small town, and they both want me to be their butcher. Like, and they're, they're kind of competing, and one of them offered him five bucks an hour than the other one. So he's going with the, he's like, what do I do, bro? And I'm like, uh, I thought you were smarter than that, but do the obvious and take the one that's going to pay you more. Yeah, but, but it's a good thing. So he said this statement, and this was a statement that he made that inspired me to to talk about this for this, this last couple weeks and, and finishing up today was this. In fact, as I finish this up today, I got you on the brink, don't you? You're like, what did he say? So uh, just know that Stephen is going to be a, a dynamic message next week. Are you still talking? Are you still bringing Jonah to the table? Ah, oh, I can't wait. Is that a yes? Yeah. And then Adam's going to share the week after, and his wife, Erica, is going to lead worship. I believe so. Yes, still. Yes, yeah. yeah. Amen, amen. Hey, Josh, Karen, good to see you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see you guys. Um, so this is what he said. He said this, and, I, and it dawned on me how this revelation was like so amazing to me. It's like, wow, do we, do we not realize this, or do we forget it, or, or have it, many of us have not come to this realization. He said this. Until I actually repented, and this is what he said. I'm gonna say, until I actually repented of my sin, of all that I was doing wrong, and all the things that I, in my life that I was allowing, I was looking at everything and everyone, including God, as the reason for my issues instead of myself. And I, and I realized this, and I stopped, and then we, we had this, like, kind of this aha moment, if you will. It's really the Holy Spirit revealing truth to us, is, is so many times I think we get that a little backwards. We want God to fix everything. We want people to get right in our lives, and then maybe I'll think about, and I'll consider getting myself right, or I'll, I'll think about, like, if you do this, I'll do that. And, and it seems like we get that backwards, I think. And that's what's inspired me in this message, in this series on repentance and really breaking it down, get into the, the nitty gritty of it, the deep end, if you will. And we're going to splash around a little more in the deep end this, this morning. But I want to give us a real quick recap of the last couple of weeks. The first week, we talked about the things that we get, that we allow in our way, removing the, anything that hinders intimacy with God and, and the things that God reveals to us, shows to us, allows us to see that, hey, this is in your way and it could be a thing you're doing or not doing. It could be the thing that you're, you know, there's, there's sins of, of, of um, omission, which things that we don't do, like trust God with our monies and, and our tithes and offering. We could actually, that's an act of sin because we're not, he says, anything that is not done by faith is actually sin. So whenever we withhold our tithes and offerings from God, that's, a, that's something that's a hindrance. That's a, that's a blockage, if you will, of intimacy with God, trust in God. So, so there's things that we are doing and not doing in our lives that we need to get out of the way. Get out of the way. And that's what repentance involves, is getting the stuff out of the way that hinders intimacy with God. Remember, and God is actually, this is important to remember, God is the initiator of intimacy with you. Did you know that? No, seriously. God is the one who gave himself for you first so that you can give yourself to him. He's the initiator of intimacy with you, a relationship with you. And he will let you know what's in the way also, we call it conviction from the Holy Spirit. 
Con- conviction, and this is a, some things I, I noted from my notes. Conviction is not repentance. Conviction comes from God. Repentance comes from you. And when we, when we are enlightened, if you will, God shows you something that, hey, this is in the way. And if you, you respond with, I'm sorry, but do nothing about it, the Bible refers to that as a sorrow that leads to death. In other words, it, it continue, you stay separated from God. You, you, you actually go farther from God because now you know the stuff that you should or shouldn't do and you keep doing it, but you still just say, I'm sorry. Hello? Right? We all have kids in our lives that say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Quit saying you're sorry. Do something about it, right? God is the same way with us as adults. Are there any adults in the room? Grown-ups? Okay. But so, so what we expect our kids to do, maybe we should do ourselves. Amen? Okay. Uh, where am I at? See, 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 as we... This is, this is good stuff. And, uh, like, like I said, I, I'm renoting my notes. You can repent and get close to God, or you can ignore his kindness and move away from God. It's your choice. Because isn't it, isn't it true? Doesn't the Bible say that somewhere? That it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that shows us the stuff that's in the way of what he knows what's best for us. Amen? So that's a, that's, that was the first week. If you, haven't, if you didn't hear it, it's really good stuff. Repentance, last week we talked about repentance paves the way and opens the door for Jesus to come in and take reign in our lives. In other words, rule by the king, his kingdom with his kingdom principles from within us. That's the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is within you. It's not over here, over there. It's within you. It's my reign and rule in your lives. And see, repentance paves the way for Jesus to come in and reign in our lives. Remember John the baptizer, we used him as the, is really, it's not just an example, but that John actually did that thing. He paved the way for Jesus to come into this world and preach the gospel and bring salvation to mankind. And what was his message? Repentance. He preached repentance. I baptize you into repentance. He was baptizing people in repentance. And Jesus comes along and says, John made it way. John made the way for me now to come in and make a difference in your life. Not just your life, the entire world. If you want to say the entire world and your life. Either way, he made a difference. And he still is about that. And he still does it this way. Uh, In fact, it's the, the passage in Luke. I I'll just rehash it because it was really good. It was the word that the Lord gave to Robin, and I shared it. I just uh, basically took notes on what God was speaking to her. It's in Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 3 through 6. says this, And he went into all the region around the Jordan, this is John, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as it was written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, which is, is right living, righteousness, and every, every valley shall be filled, which is a, it's, it's the emptiness inside of us that we, that the things that we, we try to fill with our, we, when we try to fill uh, empty voids inside of us with anything but God, he's saying that's something that you must repent of and turn to me for instead of stuff of this world or stuff of your flesh. That emptiness must be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low, which is pride squashed because pride is always going to get in the way from for us to to get close to God. Pride is always going to be a hindrance, a stumbling block. It's going to always be something. Pride will always, always cause you to stumble. It's always a tripping point in everybody's life. It always has been and always will be to the very end. Pride will always cause us to trip up. So he's saying, now get, get that, those high places, humble yourself before me, and basically make way for Jesus. Give him room to come in. And then the, the crooked shall become straight, which is truth shall be heard and understood. So the things in our lives that are, that are in our heads, 
our minds, our brains that are a little twisted or that he will make them straight when we actually refer to his word as truth. His word is the truth. And when we, when we refer to that and we actually live off of his word and from his word, that's where the, 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 the crooked places become straight. And that's awesome. And then the rough places shall become level, level ways, which is the brokenness healed. And I, and I think that hit a lot of us last week because I think there's so much brokenness in us in, that has, has uh, been afflicted by somebody else. We've been broken by others, have we not? I mean, I think in, in, you know, to be straightforward and be completely, I don't like to use that phrase, so I... I just stopped myself from using it because I don't want to say, oh, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, it's like, well, then uh, the, the rest was lies. Yeah, I guess so. No, but to be straight with you is not only are we broken, but we break people. Yes. And God wants to heal that. He wants to restore you from being not only broken, but being a breaker. Not, a, not, not an electrician breaker, but, but somebody who breaks others. So, and then he says this. This is awesome. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to splash around back and get back into the deep end for a minute. See, here's where I want to hit, hit us this morning. And I, I think I got the time to do it. I believe I do. Repentance frees you to worship God in spirit and in truth. Do you realize, and I remember Glenn saying this because it, and it was something that, that uh, he really hit hard. Um, he, would, he, would always, he would always make the statement, I, this is good old Glenn, you guys know, this is something he'd always say during football season and, and I'd wear my football jersey to church. He'd say, ah, oh, you become, you look like what you worship. I'm like, no, I don't, I just like the team. <laughs> like, Always make me feel bad, so I quit wearing my jersey to church. So it's okay if you do, John. I, I don't mind, even if you're a Niner fan. It's all right. It's okay. Oh, there's another Niner fan. There's all kinds of Niner fans in the room, huh? Oh, I, 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 might, I might be in trouble this morning. That's okay. But here's the, here's the truth, though. But he was right in this, this, this phrase, is we become like what we worship. And the, the, the move is not to like, oh, let's, you know, don't, 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 don't. But it's like, let's look, look to Jesus and do like him. Let's worship him and become like him. Amen. And you can still wear a, a Niner jersey. It's okay. I think there's Niner. Anyway, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to back out of that. We become like that which we worship. See, and here's what some of us, some might say something about this thing called pride or original sin. Uh, some might say that original sin is, is pride. I mean, I, I've heard that uh, uh, because when we go back to original sin, that's the place where Adam and Eve fell, correct? Um, and, and, and it was the pride of life because that seems to, that seemed to have been the temptation that that the serpent came to Eve and said, if you eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. It seemed like it was a temptation to pride. Like, ooh, to be like God. I would like to be like God. But actually, when you get to the root of it and the heart of it, it's, it's not as much pride as it is self-worship. Self-worship. And that's what it got down to because when that's what, that's what really what was the temptation was to worship self. And I know that seems like, well, gosh, that's, that's deep. It is deep. Because in, in self, worship is, a, is pride. Pride swirls around in that the whole time. But what we're really after is worship of him. And that's what Jesus knew, God knew, he knows still to this day, to this very moment. In this room right now, the best thing for you to do is to worship him. Amen. Amen. And I know, and so I want to talk about worship and, and true worshipers. That's the title of this message if you, if you need it. True worshipers. We know that worship is more than just singing. Hello? Yeah. We know this. We should know this. I hope we know this. 
But worship can be singing, and we can sing to God. We can worship in song, in instrument, in, in our work, in our love for our family is a worship for God. Uh, in, our, in our love for others is a form of worship for God. Hello? So, so worship, the true worship, he says, is in spirit and in truth. Here, I'll read the passage. It's in John chapter 4. And this is, uh, this is a conversation with, that Jesus is having. And this is an interesting, it's in 4, I'm going to start in verse 21. It's one of the interesting places of the Bible that I look I look at the context very deeply and profoundly, and I look at like even how this came about, this conversation. But then I also look at something that's interesting too. In John chapter 3 and in John chapter 4, there's two conversations that Jesus has. One with Nicodemus and one with this woman. But there's something that, that I find very intriguing to me is that there's nobody else present in the midst of these conversations. So God, in his awesomeness, reveals this conversation to John so that he could write it down, whether he spoke it, said, here's this conversation I had with this woman at the well, which we don't have a name for. Here's the conversation I had with Nicodemus, which we do have a name for. But I, isn't it interesting to, to you, it was to me, that there's these lengthy conversations, but nobody but this one individual is around. Is around. Now, there's a couple things I want us to note about that, is that God is so gracious and so awesome and so good. He can have a conversation with you as an individual, and others can glean from it. Hello? That's an awesome thing about God. God is, is about the whole thing, the whole world, but he's also zeroed in on you. That's amazing to me. That blows my mind. And it ought to because it's like that's God. God can do that. God is able to do that, to zero in on me and yet still be totally concerned with the entire workings of the world and salvation for the world. But here, that, that wasn't in my notes. That was a side, side thing from me. Anyway, John chapter 4, starting in verse 21, Jesus replied to this woman... Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So that whole, if, if, if I could challenge you, encourage you to read John chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it's all about to verse 42. It's this whole discourse, this long conversation that He has with this woman and even His disciples that that. That he has some, some stuff I want to talk about in a little bit if I have time. I think I do. I think I will. Because there's some really intriguing stuff that comes out of this conversation. And it's enlightening stuff. And it's, uh, it's uh, wonderful, amazing truths that we get from this conversation from this one woman. Now this one woman, she, it, what's, what's really also interesting is she just was going to get water. That's all she was doing. She honestly was just minding her own business to some degree. She was going to get water and stumbles across Jesus by accident. Yeah, come on. That was funny. That was a joke. I saw, that was one of my dad jokes. He was the one you should have laughed at, or at least. Uh, yeah. God was so, he was so, um, intentional about the details of this woman's life this village of samaria this town this place that was that was considered to be filthy by the jews they were the dirty ones they were the outcasts they were the people that they the jews typically would go all the way around samaria so they wouldn't have to walk through the dirty town of samaria because it was a bunch of 
It's a bunch of heathens. People that mixed blood, Jewish blood with Gentile blood. In other words, not, not their actual blood. They actually, they, they, they mingled with the Gentiles. They, they intermarried with Gentiles. And therefore, they, they became unclean people to the Jews. And Jesus went straight at them. I love that. Jesus went straight through. And he stopped right smack there at Jacob's well because he was thirsty. Huh. And has this conversation. So I got some questions, and I want us to talk about this, and I think we're going to come to some really neat places in regards to repentance frees us to worship God as true worshipers in spirit and truth. And I think there's freedom in that. I think that's where God wants us, is at a place, in a place, to a place, to just freely worship him with our lives. And I know, again, it's more, about, it's more than just singing. But I believe that when we truly have become true worshipers, it's really easy to just raise my hands and just, or fall on my knees or, or whatever it is that God compels me to do. It does require a, an, an act or a spirit or an attitude, however you want to label it, of repentance. It requires that which I have to stop looking at myself and just look to him. Because when I look to him, I become undone. I mean, this tr- the true reality of it is, is when we see him, we are undone. And that's what that song about, he touched the coal of my lips because Isaiah ha- caught a vision of God himself. And he said, I am undone. I'm undone. I am filthy. I am unclean. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally of an unclean people. And it was God's chosen people. And he said, we as people are undone in his presence. And so when we, there's, there's the, the only move to that, the only response to that is just worship. Just pure worship. But here's all I want to say, hit us some, with some interesting thoughts. God knows you. God knows me. Okay, I want us to be in agreement on this. Let's, just, let's, let's, let's do this together. Does God know you fully? Yes. yes. He knows me fully. He knows your heart even. Yes. And I, I, I want us to be encouraged in that. Don't get discouraged or like, oh, snap, I'm in trouble. But God knows your heart. I love this verse. It's actually in John chapter 2, the last part of the uh, of the, of, the, uh, of the chapter, it actually says this statement. I don't know if you ever read this before. John 2, 25, it says, no one needed to tell him, Jesus, about human nature. <laughs> he didn't have to take a psych class to figure out what we were like. It says, for he knew what was in each person's heart. He knows what's in each person's heart. He still does. Now, here's what he also knows. He knows your thoughts. Amen? He does know your thoughts. In fact, I think it's in Isaiah, and the psalmist also writes, like, God knows when I sit down, when I get up. God knows when I'm angry, when I'm, when I'm at peace. God knows every movement about me, when I go in, when I come out. When I get, when I, everything, every word that comes out. He knows everything about us. He even knows our thoughts. Remember that, that incident that took place when Mary Magdalene came in and washed Jesus' feet with, with, her, with her tears and anointed his head with oil and then dried his feet with her hair? And there was that bystander, a Pharisee, that was standing aside looking, watching, and he thought to himself. He thought to himself. He didn't say it out loud. If this Jesus knew who it was that was touching him, he would put her out because she is a sinner. That was his inner thoughts. And Jesus does the unthinkable. He answers his thoughts. I mean, come on. Out loud in public. Blasted him. His thoughts. I I might be out of here. I mean, I'm thinking I'm, I'm not signing up for that. But that's what happened. 
I mean, do you want Jesus going around and blasting your thoughts on social media? Good thing Jesus isn't on social media. Sorry to say it, Jesus ain't on Facebook. Yeah, in fact, it might be the, you know, I'm not going to say it anyway. But he says it this way, then Jesus, Luke 7, 40, Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. <laughs> He's like, well, he blasted him. It's like, hey, I came into your house and you gave me nothing. You didn't even offer to wash my feet yet. You offered no servant even to wash my feet. You basically looked at me as like I was just a lowly nobody. And this woman came in and worshipped me. Worshipped me because she knew who I was. That's awesome. Jesus knows our heart. He knows our thoughts. Why am I hitting this? Because here's something that I believe that Jesus is still about. Jesus is still, still about this business. We would say, because the Bible says, and we believe this to be true, so track with me here for a minute, that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Hello? Come on, you guys got to agree with me. Let's, I want us to really be in, into this. If Jesus is the truth, the way, the life, he is the center of purity, the center and the, the fullness of perfection, and he knows everything that is good, true, and right in this world and in you and about you and for you. Hello? We can agree to that because that's true. We know that is true. He's the creator, sustainer of all things. He's the author and giver of life. Jesus is it. So Jesus, who knows what is perfect and pure, and he knows your heart, my heart, and he knows my thoughts, but Jesus is good, and Jesus is loving, full of love and grace and mercy. Jesus is about this and always has been about this. And when you read scripture this way, I read, I was reading through the gospels with this in my mind and this is my filter. Jesus is always working at aligning, aligning that which is out of alignment. Hello? When he ran across somebody whose heart was ill, sick, off, wrong, he saw it. And that's what he dealt with. And then he ran across those that their heart was good, but their thoughts were a little crooked, a little, a little tainted, a little off. So he saw that, and that's what he dealt with. What was he about? He was about aligning us to him. If our hearts are off, he's going to tweak it. And it might hurt a little bit. If our thoughts are off, I guarantee he's going to attempt to tweak them, to be of truth, to, to be aligned to that which is true and correct. And his intention is not to, to is simply about this. He knows what's good for you and what's right for you to have a good heart and have good thoughts. Amen. So this is what he's about. This is his business. Yes, he came to save the entire world. He did that by taking all of our sins upon himself and nailing them to the cross and then raising up from the dead, defeating death and sin. Yeah, that was, that was a big deal, right? That's, that, but you see how the work of it, though, is this. No, I'm, not, I'm not just here just to save you. I'm here to restore you, sanctify you, get you right with God and get all the stuff out of the way that is in the way and so that we're doing and we're moving in intimacy with him. See, I believe it as Jesus was and still is aligning you and I to himself. It's said that you know, uh, let, me, let, me, let me read this because this is good too. Those whose heart is off, he reveals and gives grace to get it right. Amen. 
To those whose heart is, that is off, he reveals it and gives that person the grace to get it right. It's called repentance. To those whose thoughts are off, he speaks truth and brings freedom from stinking thinking, which is repentance. See, many of our issues don't come from talking to ourselves. It might be, some might. It's not talking to ourselves, it's listening to ourselves that causes many of our issues. Come on, I know i got to get a hearty amen out of that one. How many of you have had the argument in your mind against somebody else? You know, you got, you're putting up a good fight, man. You're showing them what's what. Man, and you're, sitting, you're laying it down and, and everything you're saying making sense. And it's all in your mind, of course. And, and they're like, oh, gosh, I wish I didn't. I didn't see it that way. Thanks for showing me. You know, these are the, right. Yeah, we do. And then we go and we have it, and we're like, that didn't turn out like I thought it was going to in my mind. Yeah, like, no, I'm an idiot, really. I'm just a fool. Like, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> That's usually how mine end up. Like, they, they end up a lot different than they do in my head. So I, I need to, so the key is not as much listening to ourselves as it is listening to him. Amen? So again, I got a couple of questions. What if God is actually good and knows what is good for you? Hello? Come on. Let's just, again, join in with me. What if God is actually good and knows what's good for you? Yes. Amen. What if God knows that the best thing for you is to worship him alone in spirit and truth? Amen. Yes. We've already been hitting this. What if God's checkmate, checkmate is simply to show himself who he is to you? Amen. Come on. This is it. This is it. This is it. Now let me go back to the story of the woman at the well. This is really good. It starts in John chapter 4. So I'm going to recap it. And then we're going to get somewhere good. And there's some deep places here that I, that I, that I want us to go. This is a, we're just like, we're doing the doggy paddle in the deep end. Just staying afloat. Because this is some good stuff. So Jesus is, is developing a following. Because he does these amazing miracles and amazing feats at this Passover feast. And people are, and John is doing what John was supposed to do. He's saying, that's who you're supposed to follow. I am not worthy to even untie his sandals. Go after Jesus. He's the reason I came. Follow him. He's pushing people to Jesus. Ha. Come on, there's, there's, there's stuff in there that's good. And so this following is taking place in Jesus's developing a bunch of followers. Even more than, than, than uh, I think he was even, well, he knew, but. And so he, this is when he says, I gotta, we got to go to Galilee but we got to go straight through Samaria. And I'm sure that his disciples questioned him, said, are you sure we want to do that? I mean, we could take a little bit of a long trip and go around, because that's, you know, that's where those filthy people are at. Those dirty ones live there. Those, I mean, these, those people, we don't really want to rub elbows. We don't want to be associated with them. Hmm. So, nope, that's where we're headed. So he gets into... He gets near the well, Jacob's well it was, and he was tired. It was, a, it was a good half a day trip, it was about noon, and he sits down by the well, just takes a nice seat, and he says, hey guys, go off, go off to town and get something to eat. And he sits there by himself. And he's, he's sitting there by himself, he said, this woman came up all by herself, and she comes up in the middle of the day. It's, but you see, that, that middle of the day, Retrieving water was not the correct time of the day to retrieve water. Because at that time of the day, you know, early in the morning and late in the evening is the time for the women to retrieve water. But she came in the middle of the day because she was somebody that was looked at as an outcast amongst the outcasts. Now that's a pretty big outcast, right? I think it'd be like, yeah, that's the rest of us in this room, right? Yeah, we're the outcast from the outcasts. So God knew this. Jesus knew this. 
So he's sitting there, and he's thirsty. Remember, he's thirsty. He's tired. And this woman comes up, and he says, hey, would you please give me a drink? And she immediately turns and says, why are you even talking to me? Not only am I Samaritan, but I'm a woman. I mean, you're breaking all kinds of your Jewish rules right now. You're doing the things that you people say you shouldn't do. Because we'll taint you. And he says, but I'm thirsty. Just get me a drink. And so as she says this, all this stuff, like, you shouldn't even be talking to me. What was she really saying there? Like, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. We don't get along. And Jesus responds back to her and says, hey, let me tell you something. If you knew who you were talking to, I mean, I know that's like, this isn't a, 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 a point of pride in his life. You know, it wasn't a puff in his chest. Like, hey, you knew who you were talking to. <laughs> he would say, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink of water, living water, that I would give you, and you would never be thirsty again. Not only would you never be thirsty again, you wouldn't have to come to this well again. <laughs> you wouldn't have to come to this well. This is what he really was saying. This is, this is so rich here. There's so much in it. So I want you to go home and read it and just like really like and read it in multiple translations because you're going to find some truths in here that I'm not even speaking of today. If you take from me, if you drink this water that I'm offering you, that I can give you, you will never thirst again. Oh, she's on board with that. She's like, but she was still only seeing the, the physical part of it right at this moment. At this moment. It's like, give me some, right? If, you, if you're like, if you get like a, a, a never-ending Snickers bar, it's like, yeah, give me that. Or I, I would, I would, I'd sign up for a, a, you know, a hundred foot long um, uh, maple bar myself. Just like never-ending maple bars. Like, oh yeah, I'm signing up for that because that's like, that's what I would like. But he but she says, if you give me that, I'll never even have to come back here again. That would be good. And then, he's, then she's, they start, this conversation turns a little bit. It turns just a little bit. Because now Jesus brings about what's real. He said, go get your husband. Hmm. She says, ah, sorry, sir, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, you're right. You're not lying. But you're not telling the whole truth. Here's the whole truth. He said, you've had five husbands. And that person that you're living with right now is not your husband. And she was flabbergasted. Like, who is this guy? You must be a prophet. You're somebody that sees and knows stuff. You're somebody that looks into people's lives. But here's the, so this gets really deep, and I want us to really hear this and see what's happened. And now what takes place is this, as this turn, as she sees Jesus for something other than just a stranger sitting at the well. She sees him as somebody who has not just authority, but power, and even the ability to know stuff that only God can know. And she says, yeah, you're right. You must be somebody special. Said, but then she's like, kind of, I think there's this kind of like this little bit of a deflection. Like, well, that was a little too personal. Like, you got into my personal space there, dude. Let's talk about something that really is, I'm not going to say is irrelevant, but outside of my personal space. So let's, let's talk about worship. You know, you Jews say we got to go worship in Jerusalem, but we Samaritans say we could worship right here where we're at. And it's just fine. And she was challenging Jesus, not knowing who he actually was yet at the time. Which is this, uh, this, this concept of who's right and who's wrong. You know, it, it, you get into those conversations in, with other church people, right? 
Sad to say we do with other Christians that go to other churches who do things differently than us and we do differently than them. Who does it right? You or us? They or them? And that's not the conversation that Jesus is wanting to have. Even though he, 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 he engages with it and he said, well, let me tell you something. And that's where I read that passage said, the time is coming and is now here. We're true worshipers. True worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. It, will, it won't matter whether it's in Jerusalem or on this mountain here. But true worshipers are those who will worship God in spirit and in truth. And then he says this. I love how he says it. And those are the worshipers that God is looking for, seeking after. His eyes are looking to and fro, looking for true worshipers. And that's what Jesus was about at this very moment. That's what this move to go through this town that was considered to be dirty and filthy, to sit at this well because he was looking for a true worshiper. Oh, that's so awesome to me. And she was a filthy person. If you want to call her the town whore, then that's what they deemed her as because she wasn't even accepted amongst her own dirty people. And, and Jesus looked at her. And what did he do? He offered her life. Oh, this is so rich. If you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. That was an offer. He offered her redemption, salvation, restoration. He was offering this person who was a down and out outcast, who walked with her head down because she was too shameful to look up because somebody would see her. And Jesus looked right at her. He said, I see you. And I want to give you life. Just look at me. Look at me. That's what he was saying to her. And it's so rich, so real, and so good. Because then it, it turned into something a little bit. And then it goes even, the, the conversation, it gets a little odd because now the disciples start coming back. Like they come back with some food. And they look and like, uh, what's going on here? Does the Carson... Uh, and he doesn't know what to say. He does it. It's really cool. It's funny to see. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know where he gets it from, but I don't know, probably from The Simpsons or something when you watched it as a kid. Like, uh, sorry, Carson, I'm teasing you, but it's, it's too funny for me when he does it. I just start laughing. Like, Robin will ask him a question. He's like, uh, <laughs> sorry, bud. I can't help it. All right, I'll, I'll move on. I, I got I to gotta stop. Stop picking on Carson. I love that guy. Mm. that's what the disciples do when they come back and they see Jesus talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman. They're like, uh. They don't say anything to him. Nobody says nothing to him. It was so out of character for a Jew, and especially their rabbi, to speak to a Samaritan woman. That was so out of line. That was not, that was, it was taboo. And he was doing it. They don't, even, they don't even ask him why or what or who she is. She just drops her jar and runs like she hightails it out of there. Says, I'm out of here. But she doesn't just drop it and run because she's scared. She drops and runs because she's excited. She's thrilled in her spirit to the bone that this man, this man, who is a Jew. Part of the conversation I forgot to mention was this, was as she's kind of deflecting from her own personal self and talking about worship, then she tries to go another route. She goes, all I know is this, and this is what she said, all I know is this, that someday there's going to be a Christ, a Messiah, and he will show us everything. That is true. Everything. He'll make it right. And that was cool because, because 
that conversation turned, this is right before the disciples got there, so forgive me for leaving this out, but because this is where I think this is the best mic drop in all of history. Jesus says, that person is who you're talking to. Boom. Boom. And that's like, wow. Everything that we need, anything that we are after, boom. I'm right here. Everything you're looking for, just look at me. That's so awesome. And that's so real for us. And it's so rich and so true. And then the disciples say, hey, we got some food. And he says, "Uh, I don't need it. I've been eating something else. I've been eating something else. And they're like, who who snuck in and who gave him some food? We went all the way to town, spent our good money, and brought him back some food. And and now he's not even going to eat it. And he says this statement. My food is to do the will of the Father. That's what I eat. When you read this story, there's something that also takes place here. That's not written in it. But you see it because it's there. Is that the woman came to the well to get water. Jesus was sitting at the well because he was thirsty. The conversation takes place and no water is brought up. Did you know that? So here's what actually takes place. Is her need to have water was fulfilled in him. His need to have water was fulfilled in being there for her, doing God's work. Isn't that awesome? I mean, think about that. When we really stop and think about it, the the thing that we might even be here at church for. And God is saying, you really just need me. The thing that you might be looking for out there or over there is found right here in me. And that's amazing because when we really truly do drink from him, everything else fades away. All of our thirsts and hungers for stuff that is is in the way of an intimate relationship with God just dissipates. And that's the greatest thing because then he says this. He goes, like, "I I have food that's from God. But here's what she does. Remember, she, take off, she took off running. She took off running to town. And she takes off running to town. And as she gets to town, she's like, hey, everybody, I have met the Messiah. I promise you. He told me everything about me. No, no. I don't remember. She is the town outcast of outcasts. So this is, granted, they didn't have social media, but people talked. And, and in, in their mind, they're thinking, everybody already knows everything about you. But here's what she was really saying. Not only did he tell everything about me, he knew me and he offered me life. That's how I know it's the Messiah. Because he actually knew me and he still said, here I am. I will give you life if you look to me. Now that's the gospel, is it not? Hello? Because this is what we need to know and understand. And like everybody that walks through these doors there, Jesus is offering life to. I I guarantee these pillars will hold with you walking in here. Hello? Come on. I mean... We need to understand, and that's what we need to be like Jesus in the midst of this culture and this time and this era in which we live where there's a lot of twisted, stinking thinking and hearts that are evil and, and wrong and, 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 and just hurtful. And, and, and no matter what we do, we've got to be like Jesus in the midst of it. it it's a call. It's a challenge but it's for each and every one of us. So when we say these things about how Jesus is, and this is really what it is, it comes down to this. True worshipers worship him in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit moving through us, 
in us. In the truth of God's grace and love and kindness and goodness for every single soul is for every single soul. And we need to remember that and preach it and live it and show it and offer that same life to everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'll finish up the story. Just I don't want to leave you as a, as a nail biter because she goes and tells all the townspeople, hey, Jesus is, uh, or yeah, this guy. She didn't even know his name yet. She didn't even know his name. I saw this guy and he told me he's the Messiah. I guarantee it. So they come running out to see Jesus at this well. And I think this is, if I could say this, this is a part for, I'm not going to say this is a part for me, but I really heard this loud. I heard this very loud and very clear. Because Jesus, I was with his disciples. She's coming to where they're at with a crowd of people wanting to see Jesus. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, look, look, do you see this? He said, I want you to see this. I want you to notice something. This is like, a, it's, a, it's a point that he's learning to not, he's, he's, he's taking an opportunity to show his disciples and teach them something. That, that which is coming is a harvest. That which is coming is a harvest. And the harvest are souls. And they're hungry. And you are the harvesters. And you will harvest where you have not sown. You will, you will, you will gather where you have not spread seed. Because that's what I'm calling you to do. As my disciples. Is to harvest souls. See, that's, imp- and that's what he was saying to his disciples. And he needed to make it really clear to them, that's what's important to me. That's what's important to God. Not avoiding these people, not, not making them outcasts, but people that are hungry, searching. That's what matters to me. And I'm calling you to do just that. And I love that. That's what we're called to do. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do just thank you. Thank you even for this. I know it's a deep illustration and a story and an incident in the Bible that you've given to us. You've, you've allowed us to see and see it with your eyes and, and eyes that are, that, are, that are clear and clearly about you. So in Jesus' name, we invite you, Holy Spirit. We invite you, Holy Spirit. To use us in this world where the harvest is ripe and it's the souls of people that are hungry, thirsty, in need of love, in need of you. Oh, Jesus, use us as you see fit. Instill within us, in each and every one of us, a desire not only to know you, but to make you known. And to be true worshipers in spirit and in truth. And as we worship you, we, you, we become like you. And we love others right where they're at. And others would see you, Jesus, in us and through us. Oh, that's our desire. So Jesus, do just that. Show yourself to those that just simply need to see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.